Welcome back, Billiken fans. It's Zach Miller and Peter Hale. This is the Midtown Madness Podcast. Before we get going, thank you so much for listening. And if you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to hit the like and subscribe button. Uh, share it, please, uh, anywhere you're on social media. Uh, also, uh, hit the bell icon to get notified whenever a new episode drops. Uh, this episode and the whole season of the Midtown Madness Podcast is brought to you by Two Men in a Garden. Whether you like it mild or hot, chunky or cantina style, the people over at Two Men have you covered. And as Peter knows good and well, Two Men in a Garden also are famous in St. Louis for their pickles, and they've got an event for you. They have partnered with Una Vita Tequila and Budweiser Brewhouse at Ballpark Village for the first Pickle Palooza. Don't miss out on a jarring experience at our first ever pickle-themed party in the outdoor beer garden at Budweiser Brewhouse at Ballpark Village. Relish the good times and enjoy a variety of pickle-themed food and drinks, local pickle vendors, live music and DJs, games, contests, and more. The event is sure to be a big deal. Uh, if you miss out, you'll be sour. <laughs> save, save the save the dad jokes for me, Zach. Come on. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Um, yeah, it's Saturday, July 22nd at 12 p.m. That's noon. Uh, tickets are on sale now. If you go to the uh, Budweiser Brew House uh, and Ballpark Village website, there is a link to buy tickets. And it looks like... They are now that I'm looking, um, $15 general admission, 21 and over. So, hey, affordable, uh, sounds like a lot of fun. I'm not a pickle guy, but there is tequila involved, so I might be able to make an exception. Um, yeah, Pete, let's get going. Um, not a lot, um, happening, but we did find out that Yuri Collins will be on a summer league team. He's going to play for the Golden State Warriors summer league team. And um, I, you know, it's good news. Like there, there had been, I don't know if it was speculation or hopes or what, but a couple other teams that they thought might be interested, maybe Chicago, you know, he worked out for a few other teams. We know he worked out for Atlanta, several others, uh, but Golden State, Zach, I mean, that's, that's a fun one. You know, it's uh, uh, there, there's, there's been a couple of decent point guards to go through there lately. Yeah, Pete, you know how obsessively I follow the NBA, although yes. my short stint as a Warriors fan. Um, so reading Twitter, I was I, I saw West Pine Bills out there and uh he's kind of down on on the fit for Yuri. I think the worry is that coming into a place where Chris Paul just showed up hunting for a championship, um, there's not really a lane for a point guard trying to crack a roster. And that's probably true, but, but we're talking about summer league here. You know, I mean, this is, this is a couple steps removed from an actual NBA roster. Yes. It is meaningful to play for a team summer league. Um, yes. It is a potential stepping stone or way to get seen for the G league or bigger things, but it did by no means even he mean, it doesn't mean he's going to make their, their G league team roster, which I think is down in Santa Cruz. Um, it's just, it's just the summer league team. Um, a lot of these guys, this is, this is the only kind of level of the NBA that they'll even sniff. So 
Um, I wouldn't read too much into it. It's an opportunity and th th he's unsigned. So like there's a, there's a chance that he gets seen by somebody else while he's playing and maybe he makes more sense on another uh, G league roster or something like that. So, so no, I'm, I'm, I just think the opportunity to get out there and run with somebody's summer league team in and of itself is, is great. Is this going to be the, so I, the only thing like I vaguely heard that they're going to play two different summer leagues. I knew about the Vegas one, but I think there's one up in like Portland this year. Yeah. I, didn't they do or is it Sacramento? Uh, let's see here. So they, they did, I think a couple sessions last year as well. Um, where they kind of didn't the teams kind of split up, like not all, not all 30 teams were in one league. The um, only reason I knew about it is because they were like, Oh my God, Wembayama's not going to play in the Vegas version. Yeah. So Vegas is the big one. I'm looking at this now. Vegas is the biggest one. Um, July 7th to 17th. And it looks like just about everybody's involved in that. But before that, there are two smaller ones, one played in Sacramento and one played in Salt Lake city. And those are July 3rd, 5th and 6th. Um, and then the next day, everybody heads to Vegas. So, um, so they do split up. Uh, it looks like there's like what four or five, six teams in each of those first two sessions. Um, and then, then the Vegas one is really big. So yeah, not everybody's involved in the first kind of mini leagues, but, uh, but yeah, that's how they're formatting it this year. That's pretty, uh, yeah, that, I never really like paid attention to it. Obviously I, I watched when Goodwin was in it a little bit, but that's kind of a neat thing to do the summer league. I, I like that. Like I'd like to see like hockey do that with some of the AHL guys. And then some of the younger, uh, uh, you know, pros. I, I think that's neat. I don't know. Yeah, I, I Goodwin. Same for me is kind of the first time that I ever paid attention to like kind of the structure of it and the format. You know, like uh, I, I just the kind of the timing of games and how that was a little unusual and how they were playing kind of the same teams over and over. Um, uh, but yeah, it's one of those things. Like it's it's on sometimes. I'll I'll check it out. I'll watch a little bit of it, but never really paid attention to how the how it's structured. Um, so maybe now that he's in it and we all have a vested vested interest in 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 seeing how he does, it'll be a little more uh, a little more interesting for that reason. But uh, the the good news for us is Golden State does play in the Sacramento one on July third and fifth. Um, they'll play Sacramento and then Charlotte. So you know he'll get uh, the, there's those two extra games before they all go to Vegas. Um, so luckily the Warriors is one of those teams. Um. To quote J.O. Sanders and Angels in the Outfield, all I can say, sports fans, is it's about time. They <laughs> finally, uh, what the, the worst kept secret in, in, in the last couple of weeks uh, among Billiken fans, Charles Thomas uh, has been na named the, given the final uh, assistant spot. Um, yeah, we get we 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 bioed him last week, and uh, so people by now know who he is. You know, came from Duquesne, longtime Danbrod assistant, played with his twin in the NBA. Um, you know, Eastern went to Eastern Michigan and played there. Um, he he seems like a good fit for what we needed, what we're looking for. And uh, you're right, it's it's about time they made it official because when 
when it is a poorly kept secret, when you and I have known about this for what, two weeks uh, more, maybe, I think more, um, you start to wonder like, oh boy, when are they going to announce it? Did something go wrong? Did something happen? Um, was there, was there a contract issue or an HR issue? You start, your head starts racing. Like what, what, what could have gone wrong? But then finally they put it out there and, you know, it's good. To, it's good to see it get underway. Cause I, I think he's already out there recruiting and offering people. Uh, another hire, uh, we found out, uh, as it was made official. And this was one we didn't know about, um, kind of in the dark on, uh, I'm a little worried about this one though, man. It, it, there, there are concerns now. I, I share your concerns. Um, I, I maybe I was even the first to to voice those those concerns. But the director of operations looks like it's going to be Livy Sant, who's a recent graduate of Dayton, Zach, uh, where she played volleyball. But she is from the St. Louis area, so I think the 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 worry here is, uh, you know, is she a mole? Is she a double agent? I mean, not just a flyer but a, a student athlete flyer in our program now to replace sarah wagner and uh sarah seemed like she was loyal to slew and and i, I worry about this one yeah I, I mean you know the mole was a great uh competition show uh back in the day but i don't know if i want a mole in, in our men's basketball program further hamstringing us this season i i hope she signed like an NDA. Yes. Uh, anything that happens within the doors, within the campus of St. Louis University, yes. she may not share with anyone outside uh, the university. I, 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 I hope, I hope they're keeping a tight lid on her. I'm uh, sure, I'm sure Andrea Beatty will make sure her door is, is locked at all times. <laughs> her, her office door there. Pete, I want to get, uh, this isn't even in the notes, but I want to get controversial. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Does Travis Ford hate the Billiken? Does he because of Team Blue? I mean, it's been four days since the men's basketball official Twitter account has used the word Billikens. Wow. So you're, you've got like a countdown clock. Yes. Like, it bothers how, me. How often must the official Twitter anytime or Team Instagram Blue is said? It has to be Billiken too. Any, like there has to be. Yes. Separate but equal. Yeah. You know, um there on uh, there is a character limit on Twitter. And I understand you want to be punchy and to the point and all of that, but I feel like Instagram is just like fill it up with as much as you can. Absolutely. Seen, right? Absolutely. So, so that's the one where I would say, like, yeah, there's a little more responsibility in that format. I'm gonna have to go look and I'll report back next Monday. Okay. All right. Good. But, well, keep, until then, keep you know scratching on the wall like your, but your, your just, new tally. Yeah, it, dude. But I'm just saying, it feels like they're like allergic to saying it. Like they'll they'll the right when they could say it, they don't. And, and, but they'll only just use it to describe the fans. Mm. They'll never use it to describe the team. But I loved. Hey, I will say, I got home. I popped open Twitter. Rebecca Tillett saying Billikens on Twitter. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty, it is pretty exclusive to men's basketball. It seems like we, we, like, I have said this a million times and clearly Peter is not like enjoying my rant right now, but like, 
we have the most unique mascot in division one athletics. It should be like front and center and it should be, you're proud of that mascot. And and I just, I, I don't love that. They kind of, uh, avoid using it, uh, in lieu of, you know, or they used, they'll use team blue in lieu of the Billikens. Anyway, uh, Pete, we've got some really interesting offers out there. Uh, and also uh, to expand on that, uh, I want to get into this shift in recruiting. Um, it, it not not what you might think. We've already kind of uh, discussed the uh, the type of player we're going after, but um, or the you know the size. I guess we're getting, bringing in a lot more front court players, but maybe the type is in background um uh and you know just kind of uh yeah i don't know pete uh get into the offers and then i will collect my thoughts yeah sure zach it's been crazy because we've now seen a dozen offers in under two weeks we 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 had four last week that we talked about we've got eight new names this week to to bring to people's attention and it's crazy because that's a, a dozen in call it 10 days uh, something like that, a little under two weeks. That a dozen offers is about what we've until we started with this bunch right here. A dozen offers is roughly what we had extended in six, eight, nine months before that. It feels like before the start of last season. It's been a long time since we've been offering, um, not just in clusters, but but this um, this amount of players. It, it's really it's been a shift. You know, like we we were a little more generous with offers for a while. And in the past year, it really kind of dried up. Um, I, you just kind of a chain, call it a change of strategy. Um, but here we go again, you know, with two assistants that are that are new to the team and uh, and it's blown up. But it's not just, you know, the out of town, the international stuff, some local ones, too. But the first one I want to bring up here, Zach, is Malcolm Thomas, who's a 2024, meaning he'll be a senior this fall. Um, recruit from DeMatha Catholic in Maryland, powerhouse Catholic program there, and Team Durant, AAU, which is a Nike EYBL, um, AAU circuit. Uh, Malcolm Thomas is a versatile big man. He can guard just about any position. He he says he's guarded the two through the five. He's got a really poised, smart game. He can step out and shoot. He dunks everything he can around the rim, Um, but he also passes really, really well for a big high post, low post, great vision. He blocks shots. He's got good instincts. He's a solid rebounder. Um, I, I think he's about 6'8 at this point, but he's the son of former NBA player Atan Thomas, and both of his parents played at Syracuse. Um, so he's got great pedigree, and, and Thomas, I think, played at 6'10", 6'11". He's a really big big guy, his dad is. Um, other, other offers right now, Slew offered on the same day as Villanova. Xavier Butler, Virginia Tech, Tulsa Howard. It's not a huge offer list. Um, but he's clearly got some high-level offers in there with three Big East and ACC offer, and uh, and Zach, we got a little a little action on Twitter on this one this week. Hey, you got the you got the little action on Twitter. I mean, the, the full marks to you. Uh, shout out to Tom Thomas uh, for the bump on Twitter. He took your tweet on his, uh, describing his son's game, kind of cut it out and uh, put it next to a picture and threw it up on Twitter. So. Uh, really appreciate that, Pete. I don't see Syracuse on the offer list. 
No, I think it's safe to say there there's always going to be interest when you've got an alum's son, but uh and I've and, and I did find plenty of things from like Syracuse fans saying and yeah. even, even in response to our tweet or to yeah. Don Thomas's tweet of of what we had uh, said, a lot of Syracuse fans jumping in there like, "Oh, he sounds like an orange," or you know, like so uh so yeah, there's there's definitely um some awareness there, but no offer yet. You're right. And, um, and, and it is, it is pretty cool to have him snip that and share it. Not, you know, just because of course, you know, he's an NBA player. He played with Jordan. He played a long time in the league and um, he's a really interesting guy. He's a smart dude. He's written a bunch of books. He's been on CNN and MSNBC and all kinds of like networks. Uh, seems like a really, you know, politically aware guy, um, just an interesting dude. And um, anyway, I, I, it was, it was really cool for that to happen, for that to be shared. Um, because when I when I put those things together, it really is just me watching as much video as I can on a player, reading as much as I can on him, and just putting together three or four sentences trying to say like this is what I think he is. And um, and even though I'm cobbling from all over the place, uh, I try and make it something that's succinct and and different. And uh, and it's pretty cool to see his dad, who played in the league, go. Yeah, this is about right. I'm going to share this because I like this. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, in case you guys didn't know, Peter's forgotten more about basketball than I know. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I think they're uh, back to kind of the the Syracuse thing. It is a double-edged sword. And I, I feel like you don't see as much of it uh, where a son will follow in their, in their father's footsteps. Uh, looking at Bronny James, you know. Uh, going to college uh instead of the uh, never mind jesus that was a terrible joke i tried uh well, and it, i i think you're right though especially now it yeah. seems like this generation for sure it's it's you know I, there's there's definitely i think with all of these guys there's a burden of legacy right and yeah. and we have that in our own roster with larry hughes jr you know he's he's named after his dad who happens to be the most ta- the the most talented player to ever put on a slew jersey um that that's heavy and and you've got that name on the back. You've you've just you've got the name on the front. That's the same. I can completely understand these guys wanting to kind of go and forge their own path. Oh, yeah. And for the most part, they do. Um, they do go somewhere different. It's 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 a unique situation that we have. Um, and I think it's been pretty cool that I don't feel like SLU fans have put pressure on Larry Jr. to sort of be that. You know, like there are a lot of programs where I think the burden of expectations would be a little different. It seems like every day we're finding out about another son of a former NBA player. And I feel like uh, we're hitting the, like kind of the golden age. Like, I feel like, you know, obviously the league really hasn't been around that long to have a bunch of this have happened before, but you know, uh, you, I mean, obviously the cultural shift of the game probably caused some of that in the seventies and eighties and nineties. Um, and then, uh, yeah, but it's just, it's interesting. And I think it has to do with, you know, the kind of sports specialization and the the father knowing how to get their kid to the point. But it is interesting because we're going to even dig into that well further here in a bit. But first, yeah. uh, we've got a 2024 out of Maryland. Another one. Yeah, another one from the D.C. area. Amanu uh, Okitondo, uh, short for Emmanuel, uh, his first name. He's at Bishop Walsh in Maryland right now. Um, another private school, not quite the powerhouse to Matha is. And then he plays AAU ball with DC Premier, which is on the Under Armour Association circuit. 
Um, his family's from the Democratic Republic of the Congo. The, the rest of the family is actually still there. He came over to the States and started out at Oak Hill Academy, another powerhouse, and then transferred to Archbishop Carroll, uh, which is in Virginia and now, or in D.C. actually, and then now he's at Bishop Walsh. So he's he's been to three schools in three years. It seems like he's going to stay at Walsh for his senior year, uh, which is good. Um, he's got good size for a wing, you know, he's got, but he's got kind of a guard skill set. Um, I think I want to say he's like six, five, six, six. So he's got good size, uh, handles it, gets to the rim. He's got great bounce, strong finisher, a lot of energy that he plays with probably his other top offer so far would be Rutgers. Um, Rhode Island has offered UTEP, Towson, Fairfield, um, NJIT, UMBC and Bryant. Those are the other offers he's got on the table right now. Uh, but, you know, the AAU season has still got uh, several weeks to go, and, and we'll kind of see how it plays out for a guy like him who seems to just be getting more national attention. I always thought Texas Western was better than UTEP. Like, I always thought it had a better ring to it. Uh, but I understand not wanting to be a directional school. Anyway, um, now we have another Maryland dude. What's up? Yeah, I, I wonder is this um, is this coming from Thomas Charles Thomas because he's not really a Maryland guy. Um, I think I, I, I'm not sure though. I think a couple of these I saw that he was following, but uh, yeah, I, I've got to dig down and, and figure out like exactly where these are coming from because all of a sudden we're really playing heavily in DC. Um, this one is Martin Somerville, 2024. He's a six-two guard from Bishop McNamara High School in Maryland. He plays um, on the Nike EYBL circuit as well for Team Mellow. Um, from my read on his highlights and from scouting reports, he's like a lefty scoring guard more than a point guard, um, you know, despite being only about 6'2", and honestly, he looks a little shorter than that. He's a really high-level three-point shooter, though. Um, he's got the ability to heat up and, and completely take over a game. There, there have been recent AAU games where he's gone like 9 of 11 from three. Um, I think there was another game where he hit like six or seven. Um, so he can he can really get hot. Uh, but he's also pretty strong with the ball and gets to the rim despite kind of being a little smaller. He's a pest on defense. Um, he's a kind of a ball hawk, just will will hound ball handlers, create steals. Kind of a fun player to watch. Um, the other offers that he's got right now, I think SLU is probably at or above, you know, the kind of the other offers here. Um, San Jose State, Brown, UNC Greensboro, Holy Cross, Bucknell, William and Mary, uh, Mount St. Mary's, Loyola, Mar Loyola Maryland. Albany and NJIT again. So, uh, you know, mostly East Northeast for the moment, except for San Jose state. Um, but it seems like other teams are kind of starting to see him this year. Uh, we better be his best offer if that's the yeah. best. Yeah. I mean, Holy San Jose shit. state, you could, you could argue that the mountain West is stronger, but they're typically at the bottom of that league. Yeah. So I think, I think Slew is the best offer there. Um, stay it. Well, not really staying on the East coast, but, um looks like georgia yeah well he's playing in georgia right now but he's actually from jersey new new york well he's from new york his family moved to, to south jersey philly's side uh philly yeah side of jersey anyway um toby ojukwu uh is a point guard he's playing at norcross high school which is it's a nationally competitive school down in georgia a little outside of atlanta but in the summer he goes back home and he plays with philly pride um which is an under armor AAU um, team. Uh, he, so he, he he was at Roman Catholic High School in Philly. I think they won a state championship when he was there. He's listed at 6'2". He's another one who looks a little bit smaller than that to me. 
Um, to, again, tough, poised, smart point guard, really high level defender. Offensively, he's pretty crafty. You know, he changes speeds, changes directions, really shifty getting to the rim. Um, and he's and he's kind of able to create for his teammates that way. Uh, keeps defenders off balance. Um, really good decision makers, knows how to pick his spots and be productive. Slew is really the only third offer so far after Manhattan and Albany. So he's another one. We're, we're, we're trying to get in on these guys like kind of right at the right moment, you know, um, to not just be one of a dozen offers after a guy's already kind of plateaued in terms of what level he's going to be at. Um, so I think I think they're doing a good job of sort of identifying talent on the way up here. I love the idea of recruiting, you know, obviously the East Coast, uh, but especially like Philly kids. Um, I like the idea of kind of Maryland, D.C., uh, because it kind of says, hey, uh, you can go away for school, but we still get you home once a year, no matter what. That's right. Yeah. And 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 look, we've got Sion Medley coming in this season. You know, it's it's an easy sell to parents to be like, you're going to see him play multiple times without even having to, uh, you know, get on an airplane. Yeah. So I, I think that's uh, that's really a big sell. And uh, and yeah, you know, look, I, I liked I liked Forte a lot. And I think it was only a matter of time before some of the Texas, Oklahoma, Southern um, kids that he was recruiting uh, before some of them started coming our way. I, I don't disagree with recruiting the place, you know, but it is an advantage to be able to recruit um, the, 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 the area where you're going to be playing most of your road games. Uh, another Philly kid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is another one. Cameron Wallace. Uh, but now we're shifting classes, Zach. We're going down to 2025, the rising juniors. He's a shooting card from Westtown School, um, which I think isn't that where um, we just had uh, Jake Forrester. Didn't he go to Westtown School? I'm pretty sure. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll Jake Forrester. Um... Yeah. Yeah, our grad transfer this year, Jake. I, th I think he went to Westtown School and played with a couple of, uh, you know, five stars there. Um, I think it's the same one. But anyway, also plays his AAU ball for Philly Pride. So that's clearly a program we're, uh, you know, making inroads in. Um, he's long and lean. He's kind of kind of skinny, dude. Pretty smooth, three-level scorer, smart, patient player. Um, not a whole lot of video on him so far. Uh, but so someone replied to us when I shared a video in the little bio and said he looked a little like Sincere Parker. And I, I didn't initially make that connection. Uh, but I, I agree there's a similarity there. And right now, the other offers he's got, Cincinnati, Temple, and Drexel. Um, so a couple local programs and then, and then Cincinnati, which is moving up to the big 12 this year. So, uh, intriguing player here, uh, small raw, but, uh, I, I, I think there's a, a lot of upside. I like his game. Uh, Kai Shinholster, which is a great goddamn name. I love names like this because when you're, when you're looking him up, that's all there is. You know, we offered a guy last week named Daniel Johnson. There's there's a million people named Daniel Johnson, but there's only one Kai Shinholster. And so uh, so luckily that makes things easy for me. But he's another rising junior from Penn Charter High School in Pennsylvania. And he plays AAU with Kalo Elite, which is an Adidas three stripes brand um, AAU circuit team. He's physically similar to Cam Wallace. They actually look a lot alike on, on, on video. They're about the same height and position, long and lean, you know, six, five, six, six. He's a bit more of a combo guard who creates for his teammates, though. Um, less of a scoring guard, but he does have a really clean jump shot. Um, so, so he can, he can definitely score the ball. Almost all of his offers have come in the past couple of weeks. 
once once coaches could reach out to 2025 players i think only two maybe three of these have come from before that so his recruitment has really changed um in, in this month the, the other offers so far are st joe's mississippi state temple utep uh robert morris hofstra drexel uh florida gulf coast and radford and i want to say it was like hofstra and drexel uh maybe one other that that offered before the 15th of june so um pretty fresh offers for the most part there to kind of give you an idea of uh where that guy's level is right now and instantly the longest last name on the roster uh, yeah, for sure um let's talk about these next two and, and like i said we get back to um uh sons of former nba players and this one's right in our own backyard uh, it is he's a he's a native son of st louis and that's jihadi white and and zach one of the most interesting things that i found when when looking into these guys uh who are at my alma mater is jihadi white is his actual name, the NBA player that we all call Jahidi White. And even when you Google him, it said, do you mean Jahidi White? You know, um, but I found if the guy we had on a long time ago when Goodwin went to the Wizards originally, uh, Matt Moderno of the, the Believe in Wizards podcast, um, apparently talked to him about this because uh, in, in the little blurb about one of his episodes, he said, we have on Jihadi White. And yes, that's right. It's Jihadi and not Jihadi. And we get into that and much more. Now, I, I didn't have time to listen to like the story of how that happened. Um, but when I saw that that one of his twin sons, who they're going to be sophomores at Chaminade this year, is named Jihadi White Jr., it just like got me to thinking like, have I been spelling it wrong all these years? But it turns out kind of everybody has, and, and he just seemed to go with it. So to be Wait, continued. What? I don't I mean I, hold I on. don't now, I don't now, know why. And it's stupid that I said what? Because at some point in my childhood, I chopped the K off my first name. <laughs> so why the hell do I care? Yeah. But like, what do you talk like what because because my next point was how do you have twin boys and name one of them a junior and the other one just gets a regular name? That's a tough hand to be dealt, right? Right. I know. It's it's a little odd. I mean, we I grew up around the corner from a set of twins where one had the dad's name and one didn't, but had a name that sounded a lot like it. Um, it you know, it's I guess it happens. But but yeah, like I'm I'm looking at it. So it's bulletsforever.com and Matt Moderno writes um, to kind of blur the episode. Former Wizards center Jahadi White has joined me as the new co-host of the Believe in Wizards podcast. This is from February. And yes, it is actually spelled Jahadi and not Jahidi, as we th saw throughout his career. He explained that error during our first episode together last week. And then blah, blah, blah. He gets so, into the rest of the, bi the bio. So the real power move would have been to have Jahadi White Jr. and Jahidi White Jr., that would have been the real power move, Jihadi. Yeah. What are you I, doing? You have a real <laughs> missed opportunity. And to call them both junior too would have been amazing. <laughs> That's that is that is the best uh naming um of of children after George Foreman named all seven <laughs> of his kids George Foreman. Yeah, yeah. Uh I know. Yeah. I, I would love to, to, I, I want to dig more into this. And, yes. and it's funny because every stat like the NBA.com or 
sports yes. reference or anything that has stats is Jahidi. Anything about his basketball career is Jahidi. But like his own social media, Facebook, I'm, I'm looking at LinkedIn, even Wikipedia, it's Jahadi. So um, I, actually, w- Wikipedia has both. That's weird. I'm, the entry is Jahadi. Yeah, okay. Go um, ahead. It, 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 the entry at the top says Jahidi, but then it starts off Jahadi. And then it, it and then it under basketball career says Jahidi. Just so, yeah, absolutely this, ridiculous. This is one of those things like uh I know somebody listening to this probably knows, but uh but anyway, Jahadi it's White the Mandela Jr. effect. It is yeah, which doesn't exist, people. Sorry, it's just people having bad memories. That's right, that's a hundred percent it. Uh, yeah. but yeah, we're 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 being gaslit in real time. Um, but you let, yeah, let's talk about Jihadi White Jr. first. Um, like I said, both of the twins play at Chaminade. Um, they both play for Brad Beal Elite, um, in, uh, Nike, EYBL. And they're both going to be sophomore um, players, you know, this fall back at Chaminade. But, but what's interesting is they're much different players, actually. Jihadi Jr. didn't really play his freshman year. He was hurt almost a whole year. Um, he's about 6'8", though, and he's got a big frame, like really strong frame. And he knows how to use it really effectively on the glass he rebounds both at both ends strong he gets to the rim he's tough to stop he can also step out and shoot the three a little bit actually um and then at the other end you know he, he blocks shots he rebounds he he's 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 big and strong um not as much is known about his game there's not as much video available because he was injured a lot um you know early on but uh but yeah there when you see him it's undeniable that that there's a big solid frame there and he's so young he's just going to be a sophomore so really intriguing to see how big he gets how much he can he can develop um and then so the so slu was the first school to offer him basically along with simo we both offered on the same day and um and and like i said they're they're playing with brad beal elite this summer but his his brother jameson same age you know all, all that kind of stuff twin obviously um but he's about six five completely different looking player uh these are not like identical identical twins right he's more of a small forward with a really well-rounded game he shoots he gets to the rim he rebounds he can even block some shots um and make plays for his teammates he's uh you know my my buddy joe friend of the show compared him favorably to jericho hallams a a guy who went to chaminade for four years played a ton there because he was you know alongside some some big time players there like Tatum and cook and some others, but I, th- I want to say he was one year, one or two years behind them, but played varsity for four years. So he was around a long time, went to NC state and, and, and slew even played him. Uh, but, but that would be a good comp. If, if locals remember his game or watched him at NC state at all, I think that's a good comparison for, for what kind of player uh, Jameson looks like he could be. Um, and, and, and just like with Jihadi, Slu and Simo offered on the same day and they're the first to offer him. So I love this, Zach. I mean, like NBA pedigree, local, um, really promising young players who play for a strong program, both high school and AAU, really high ceilings on both of them. Um, I, I, I'm so, I like, I'm thrilled with these offers. I, I like this a lot. Shamanat's got another player, a 2026 player. Um, whose dad's an assistant coach on that team, um, Johnny Jordan. And um, he, I think he's going to be their point guard this year. He was also hurt a lot last year. Didn't really play much, but um, but look out for that kid too. I think he's going to be one of the best 
sophomores in the St. Louis area as well, along with these two. Um, so that's kind of a young, exciting core they've got out there. I would, you know, Ben, Ben Winker is another one to watch for. Slew hasn't offered yet. He's, he's going to be a junior and he's like a 6'10 big. Um, so I know I'm going on about my alma mater here because I'm biased, but uh, I just want to offer all four of those dudes. So two more to go. Uh, fun fact about Jericho Helms, his his uh, government name is actually Jericho, but there was a mix up and <laughs> he just goes by Jericho now. So yeah, yeah fun fact for you there. Uh, Pete, I want to talk about this recruiting strategy shift that I, I feel like I've seen it a little, uh, but I feel like there are other people that have noticed this. I'm not the only one, um, but we got to talking amongst the sluts, the slew Twitter think tank and uh uh, the profile of recruits uh, has changed a little bit. It seems like we're going after a, a lot of of legacy players uh, as it pertains to NBA dads. Um, you know, seems like a lot of these guys, NIL money might not be as important. As a matter of fact, Malcolm Thomas, the first guy we talked about, explicitly said that in in an interview. Um, and it, I, I want to say it was just a few weeks ago that he gave the interview. Um, he just said, look, I'm, I'm looking for fit. I'm looking for opportunity. Uh, I'm looking for the program that's going to help me reach my goals. He's talking about those kind of things. Um, wants to go to a school that's good academically. And he, and he just flat out said, I'm fortunate to be in a position where NIL is just not that important to me. He said, not that it won't be a component at all. Um, he, he goes, that's just, that's just part of recruiting these days. Like he just acknowledged, like it's, it's there, but he said, that's not the ultimate decider. And you and I talked last week. And I think even the week before where it feels like it is kind of the ultimate decision maker for a lot of players right now for better or worse. I think a lot of them are are not going to the place where they could be best served because they're, they're chasing that best offer or trying to play teams off each other to get the best offer possible. And um, and he just flat out said it didn't matter. And yeah, you look at us offering other NBA legacies, you know, guys who don't have maybe the same drive toward NIL. Um, and, and and I think, you know, that we're also offering guys, we're, we're coming in as like the first or second or third offer for guys who are like Northeast, um, you know, expensive prep school players. We've got a few of those in the mix. Um, it, it, it does seem to be an acknowledgement of like, hey, maybe our NIL goals for this year and the next couple of years, we're here and maybe the reality is our fundraising is here and just hasn't quite been where we wanted or, or thought it might be. And so we need to pivot and figure out how do we get the best players in here if we don't have the bag we need to compete with Big East teams, for example. And I think it's a, I think it's a great shift. Honestly, I'm a huge fan and I'm not just like blowing smoke here. Like we talk all the time. We talked about uh, being first on the, on the, you know, um, on the NIL train. And that would be great. That would be awesome. But the matter of the fact is we don't have the, 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 the amount of boosters that have deep pockets. We don't have the obsessive, you know, we, we're not capturing a city because there's way too much to do here. We're not Dayton. We're not, you know, Richmond, Virginia, where it's really kind of, they're the top basketball team there, uh, VCU. Uh, but I think there's something to be said 
to be said about, you know, like the, what, like wait and see, but also now you are on the front end of the potential NIL bubble burst. Yeah, no, I I know. And I mean, to me, that shows there's a sort of a dynamic view on the coaching staff and a realistic view. And, um, and also like what, one thing we haven't even mentioned is international players. Um, that's, we've talked, we even talked with Harriman. It's not that NIL isn't part of it. It is, it definitely is. But again, it's not necessarily the thing that's going to be the primary focus. So, um, so yeah, that like, like you're right. We, we, NIL is changing very fast and we just always want to be in the position where we have that competitive edge, whatever it is. And if that means going after guys who, you know, the pitch can't start middle and be all about nil um then then so be it that's what it has to be and and i I hope we're able to kind of stay competitive with that reality because i am getting the sense that uh we're not we're not with our peer group or what we perceived as our peer group in terms of fundraising for that and again it's it's not a good thing it's not a bad thing right it's just reality and i think i think you judge you have to judge again you have to judge Travis Ford, excuse me, and his staff on reality. Uh, the reality is we've got to find creative ways to get the best players we can. And I yeah. think, again, it's not so much that we're lagging. And I, I really don't think we're lagging behind in the NIL because that's gone. That's been, that's way, we're way past talking about getting in on the ground for the NIL. Now it's about, what's the next turn in NIL? And, yeah. and I think, I think we're on the front end. I really do because I, I said there, there's absolutely no way that, that you're going to compete on the level. I mean, the numbers we're hearing again are outrageous and, mm. and there's no way those are, those are, you know, numbers that are going to stick around. Yeah. Uh, so, um, you're getting kids that are, you know, you're getting kids realistically. So. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I, I don't necessarily want to be the school that's throwing dumb money at players either, you know, because that's, that's to me, that's almost a guarantee that you're going to just have an incredible amount of roster turnover every year. Yeah. And I know that's, that's funny for us to say this year because we have had a, but, but our, our roster turnover was a little more organic, right? We had a lot of players run out of eligibility there. That was just, that was always going to be the case with or without NIL on the table. But, um, but yeah, I'm looking at a lot of these other schools like sec schools who are throwing six figures allegedly at guys who really aren't even going to be rotation players. And you're wondering like, what, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? You're just going to upset everybody unless the kid really just wanted quick, you know, a quick, nice six figure salary for a year and can walk away. If that's all he wanted, fine. But there are going to be a lot of alums going like, yeah, why am I paying this much for, that um but maybe the idea is if we get enough small time contributors and we win then it doesn't matter but regardless um it's just i never thought slew was going to be that kind of stupid money school also if we have any uh midtown manners boosters that would like to throw the bag at us my vedmo is no i'm just <laughs> kidding um pete let's circle back well circle back i I called an audible there talking about the recruiting strategy shift. So uh, some transfer news ish uh, 
Chandler Lawson has picked a spot and it's not SLU. No, we were one of the six or seven schools in the initial tweet about who's reached out to him. But it was it was clear from the start that some of the other schools that were, were that were in the mix were higher level schools, right? SEC, uh, for example, and and one of those Arkansas is where he ended up. It's funny because Arkansas has kind of seemed to offer everyone to hit the portal. Um, so when someone actually goes there, it's always kind of surprising. Um, it's almost like they're acting like an SEC football team that's oversubscribed. But uh, but regardless, he's going there. I don't know if he'll play a whole lot. He was like a five and four guy at Memphis and ostensibly going up a level, you know, to the SEC, even if Memphis is the top program left in the American. Um, I just, uh, I, I, I wonder what he's going to be there. But, um, but regardless, when you see a guy all of a sudden hit the portal out of Memphis late in the game and then go to Arkansas, it just, it kind of feels like somebody picked up the phone and called him and said, Hey, there's an opportunity for you if you want it. And he said, okay, sure. Um, Memphis seems like a little bit of a mess right now. They've got some open spots. We know Penny's suspended for the first three games of the season for um, doing an in-home visit uh, when he wasn't supposed to on the recruiting calendar, which, you know, is, is not the biggest thing in the world. That's Al Capone getting busted for tax evasion. But um, <laughs> Penny didn't kill anybody. But um, <laughs> he, he didn't rob uh, a bank. Allegedly, he didn't. <laughs> he didn't rob a bank. But yeah, you know, he's it, it, look. It I that one doesn't move the needle much for me in terms of per perception there. But it does seem like there's a kind of a weird thing going on um, at Memphis right now, and it's very much an unsettled situation, Zach. Which does lead into our other recruit, who you and I have, I guess, brought up every show for the last six or seven shows because this guy's kind of been on the line for a while, and nobody can reel him in. Yeah, it feels like he doesn't want to be reeled in yeah. or he wants to be reeled in, but you got to add a little extra bait to that hook. <laughs> I'm glad I used that analogy to start with because I like how that turned out. I got uh, but you. yeah, Malcolm Danbridge, uh, we still don't know what he wants to do. Uh, we don't know if he's going to stay at Memphis. We don't know if he's going to come to SLU. We don't know if he's going to go somewhere else. But when it goes on this long, Zach, and I don't see a rush of other schools getting in the mix, every time I kind of look up his social media, doesn't really look like he's traveling many places. Every time I look up his name on social media, I don't see him connected to new schools the way you do with other guys who are, you know, in earnest taking visits places and calling around and stuff. And it just, when it goes on this long, it just feels like uh, he's just trying to, milk this right like he's it has to be what it is like what what else what else could this be and it kind of one of the things ford said and has said multiple times and his assistants have said when they've done press this offseason has been we want guys who want to be here mm -hmm. and and i feel like if he has not made up his mind yet if he has Walk, not committed son. to you yet yeah exactly let him go no. let him off the line cut the line put a new hook on put some new bait on and throw it in on the other side of the boat and honestly zach we've got more bigs now than we've had in years already yeah. and yes they're raw they're unproven they're a lot of them are from overseas and we, we don't know how much the learning and language and all those kind of barriers are, are going to be but guess what all but one or two of them are on campus already mm -hmm. they want to be there they want to play uh let them play and, and, and if that means we're not going to be great this season because we're playing young, unproven, raw talents, 
fine. I don't I, like I at this point, like I don't have any illusions about winning the conference in the regular yeah. season or anything like that. You don't like, want to be just play. You, you don't want to be butters. Keep going into the uh, the raisins. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, me. thinking that she's gonna talk to you outside. It's, um, it's it's true though. I mean, if he doesn't yeah. want to be here, walk away. It's been it's been a month and a half. Like like let's move on. Uh, speaking of moving on, uh, I, I'm going to shamelessly plug my outside venture, uh, on this show. Um, so I've been doing triathlons. He's, Pete's talked about it, but I started a YouTube channel. Uh, it's at Zach Miller triathlon. Go check it out if you want. If not, uh, that's cool too. Uh, but I just did the Macklin mile and I'm going to be putting, uh, a vlog up on the Macklin mile. I have a vlog on my Chattanooga 70.3 race. And then uh, a race out at Innsbruck. So go check it out. It's Zach Miller Triathlon on YouTube. Pete, sorry about that. Thanks for letting me plug. No, Macklin Mile, you're down in my uh, wild uh, stomping grounds now. Dude, it was so cool. If, you, if you've if you never done the Macklin Mile, it is very cool. Uh, it's very fun. It's a, it's You can either run it fast or easy. It's all downhill. Yeah. It's, so you're, it goes uh, starting where? Like uh, the up by YMCA, Arsenal? up by the YMCA there. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so it starts it up down, and then it like goes right over Chippewa. Okay, it, you know, it goes down and then to the right, veers to the right. It goes, there's like a school there or something too, with like the parking lot that you run by, okay. and then off down it, it ends at uh, uh, Devonshire. Okay, yeah, so yeah. it's down to the right and then a little uphill, and then you just about a quarter mile just downhill, and you're yeah, just, I mean. You know, Normally when I'm doing that mile, I'm, you know, buying beers and Italian sandwiches and stuff down in that neighborhood. I mean, you that's... can do that. That's not, <laughs> that's not, a that's not against the rules. Uh, there's a yeah. dog mile too, which is awesome. Uh, but Hey, we gotta, uh, we gotta give the people what they want. And that is a bracket update on the most improved Billiken bracket. Uh, a, uh, this was a fun first round and I loved the uh, Luchtefeld and Claggett matchup. And I also loved the Sloan McCall matchup because I thought yes. the players really got into it. And I love that. Yeah, they did. And, and Zach, the, the, the other thing, uh, this started out with, I guess, call it an upset, right? I mean, with, yes. uh, with the very first matchup that we did, we put out their 16 seed Ryan Luchtefeld against 18 seed Claggett and Clags won. What's your thought there? Why why would Claggett win this one when, you know, as as, as Luchtefeld himself said, uh, I, how did he word it? Like, I started bad and ended out okay. He started good and finished good or something like that. Yeah, uh, he went from Suckefeld to Luchtefeld. Um, <laughs> sorry, I had to do it. I I've been listening to like, the the 108 crew say use that for for years now and i haven't used it on the pod and i have to i'm sorry ryan you were one of my favorite guests i promise uh <laughs> but yeah no i don't know i think you know it's just clags man yeah like uh -huh. it, it's it that one i think it's the first first one uh you know maybe maybe people aren't paying attention go with the popularity contest versus the the actual um kind of uh you know the the spirit of the competition and and the next matchup people did it right 
Yeah, I, I, the last thought on Claggett, by, by the way, you're saying like when in the bracket it was mattered the way that that he said having to play at Wichita at 10 in the morning mattered, you know, when they were in the actual bracket uh, and it didn't serve them well. Uh, but yeah, the next one was um, Dwayne Evans and Jordan Goodwin. And 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 if you're going on recency bias or po uh, popularity, uh, arguably Goodwin's probably the winner there, but with almost almost two thirds of the vote Dwayne Evans came out on top here Zach and I, I tend to agree with that result yeah I do too I think uh you know Goodwin's Goodwin was a major recruit uh he mm -hmm. also I think did the made the biggest improvement out after his time at SLU so yeah I think you know I thought that could have poisoned the vote if you will but chalk held on this one uh and Evans moves on to face Marquis Perry. He does. He does. And then now this one recency bias. The biggest landslide of the first round. Nobody uh, knew who John Redden was. With all one, of our fans are younger. With 100 percent of the vote. Oh, uh, 12 seed Jordair Jet beat 21 seed John Redden. Uh uh sorry, John Redden. Uh, you know, not fair. <laughs> you got a tough matchup here. You got a tough matchup. Unbelievable. Yeah. Um, the Duffer takes down Carlos McCauley. Yeah, not to be confused with Easy Ed. Uh, Duff got 64% of the vote, 36% to uh, Carlos McCauley. Um, this was a close call, you know, like it was a 15 seed and a 17 seed. I didn't think it was super obvious. Um, and I wasn't sure, like, you know, now we're getting back into, into an era that a lot of our listeners, uh, followers yes, on Twitter might not really know or remember. Some of them were not born for it. Um, so, so there was a tricky one. Yeah. I think, uh, I think a lot of these uh, Majerus guys get a bump because a lot of the people that listen to our show are guys that are guys or girls that were either kids, like high school um, kids that were Billiken fans Mm -hmm. uh, or people that were students around my time at SLU. And um, I think they have the, that's, that's where I think the bias where Evans would win going away. Jet would win going away. Yeah. Low. We'll get into, uh, and then the last one was pure politicking. We'll get into that one. <laughs> yeah. I think there, that era for them is what the spoonball era was for me. Yeah. Uh, just how these things work but yeah you're right low i'm lucky another... enough to have both of those eras that's right oh man no kidding uh, low is another one of those the 14 seed uh beat pretty soundly old chris heinrich 78.6 percent to 21.4 percent 19 seed heinrich uh didn't see it coming but yeah another another majerus era smackdown there this next the, the matchup that low has in the second round this this stinks this 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 isn't good because I have a bad feeling that Lowe is gonna win. And yeah. he absolutely sorry, Rob Lowe, should absolutely not win. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna face a, a, a three seed from way back, way back in the day, whose numbers are eye popping, uh, but whose name might not be memora uh memorable to everybody who uh, who follows along. Uh by the way, John Duff moves on to play his own point guard uh charles newberry i i've yeah. neglected to mention that one 
and and Duff, you know, a, a follow of our, our ours on Twitter, who responded to the first poll and everything. Uh, I think he should just concede in this one. I think he should rally for Newberry, <laughs> for his old point guard. Just ha- the assists going the other way. Yeah, if if he lobbies for himself in this one, I you know definitely raise an eyebrow. Um, my guy, my fellow Francis Howell North Knight, Chris Sloan, uh, holds chalk against Mike McCall Jr. It was, it was a favorable matchup. Um, like we said, when we went over these in the first place, I think McCall more of all of the 22 names and we made him the 22 seed for this reason, didn't really have that much of an arc from his first to his last year. Part of that had to do with the personnel around him. Part of it had to do with the huge opportunity he got as a freshman. Um, but regardless, this was a it was a good matchup for um, for our guy Chris Sloan. And uh, you know his next matchup is going to be a lot tougher, and it's it's somebody that he knows well. Yeah, and it's the only Billiken in here that transferred in to St. Louis University. I right. would have said played less than four years, but I believe Harold Alcorn only played three. We have a lot of three. Well, not a lot, but we have a, a decent number of three-year players on here because of the old freshman team rule. Yes, um, that it wasn't done away with until the '70s. So anybody from that era and earlier, um, you know, I, I, or was it late '70s? I, I don't remember exactly what year they did away with it, but but regardless, we do have some of those three-year players for that reason. Uh, I want to I want to chalk this last matchup up though to. Uh to Sloan having the vast business network that he has. Uh, and I'm going to dime him out. He works for Cronky. Um, he told me he wouldn't talk about it when he came on the show. Uh, when we interviewed him back in the day, we'll have him back on some. Yes. Yes. Uh, so, so just to, and we'll add in the ones that we didn't match or that had buys that didn't get fed into, uh, Ian Vayukas, uh, Takes out is, well. How, why don't Why don't we recap the whole yes, Sweet Sixteen? Yes, Let's just go, go right ahead. down the line. You go. No, ahead, go, you go ahead. I'll go right. the first one. You go the second one. Yeah, deal. All right, Conklin Claggett in the Sweet Sixteen. Uh, this one is a uh, is a Titan versus uh, Cinderella. Claggett as a Cinderella. I love it. And then you've got the eight and nine who will face uh, the the winner of that game, the number eight Ian Vujukas. And uh, and the number nine, we've got Mr. Leonard, uh, who's another one of those o- older players who w- we'll see what the legacy does for him there. Yeah, I'm going to for the uh, for the thumbnail for this YouTube, I'm going to uh, put Claggett in a dress on on the on the cover. Uh, that's going to be the big one or with a slipper. Yes. Uh, Marky Perry versus Dwayne Evans. Uh, this I, I really hope Perry is not a. Uh, uh, yeah, that's gonna be a tough one, actually. Evans is tough at the 13 I, seed. I, yeah. Marky Perry was my guy. I said I wore number five in grade school basketball because of him. Like, mm-hmm. but like Evans, man, like I just I can't get it out of my head. Like his play against Date uh, uh, Butler his senior year, I think, uh, and then or maybe it was even his junior year, uh, and then of course uh, the New Mexico State game. Yeah, uh, just. Uh, just dropping in mid-range buckets on Simbular all night. That was a four thirteen game as well. Yeah. Um, next one. We've got a classic five twelve matchup where the number twelve 
Jordan Jet looks really dangerous against yes. the five seed Jeff Luchtefeld sitting out there. Uh, you know, power conference team didn't finish the season strong. Jet, meanwhile, really hot, won the conference tournament, uh, peaked at the right time. We'll see how that plays out in the Sweet 16. Yeah, let's see if Luchtefeld can hold down the fort for his uh, his brother Ryan. Um, That's right. Like we mentioned earlier, uh, Charles Newberry versus John Duff in an inter intra squad matchup. Yeah. Is that yeah. the old, that's the only one we got intra squad. Oh no. Jeffers. Jeffers and Sloan. Yeah. 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 And then we've got the seven ten. Neither of these guys had a, had a game play into it. Um, Rich Neiman is the seven and your guy, Jeff Harris is the number 10. Uh, that's a, that's a pretty fun sweet 16 matchup right there Two much, very different players, different eras, different styles. Uh, but you, I would encourage people to go back and look at their numbers. Pretty interesting careers. Um, Harold Alcorn and Rob Lowe. This is another one that could fall prey to recency bias, uh, but uh, we'll see how the vote turns out. Lowe's a good 14 seed. So yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a tough one. And then uh, the last one of the first, the first round, uh, as we already teased, we've got number six seed Mo Jeffers against the 11 seed Chris Sloan. Uh, don't know who I'm rooting for in that one. Uh, we'll just, you know, let the chips fall where they may. Pete, we, we talked about this topic. By the way, we will start putting out the polls uh, tomorrow. Uh, we were going to talk. We talked about whether uh, to do it over the weekend. I said, let's wait while you guys are all ducking whatever responsibilities you have at work <laughs> in the middle of the day. Uh, so you're welcome for the distraction. Uh, but, you know, I was thinking about this the other day and I, I didn't re- almost didn't realize that it's one of those conversations that I bring up with you whenever I'm bored, like yeah. for whatever reason, I'm on board and I'll just be like, Oh, you know what? I always think about the Billiken killers. Uh, but first I want to talk about killing some pickles and I got, I'm going to talk you into coming down here July 22nd. <laughs> I, uh, let's see July 22nd. I actually will be in the state of Missouri no. now that I'm thinking of it, but I've got to go down to uh, a bachelor party at Lake of the Ozarks. Mm. Uh, my, my future brother-in-law. So I, I can't, I can't miss that. Um, but yeah, you're right. I, I, if, if I, if I wasn't going to that, I would join you, but since I can't, I think I'm going to go pick up a new product by our friends at two men in a garden, because I saw a few weeks ago that they have released a smoky barbecue pickles um a new flavor smoky barbecue yeah that's right and because the first pickle the pickling pouch that they do first one of those that i did was their smoky chipotle and i did an onion like a big white onion in there and it turned out great so i have a lot of faith in that kind of smoky barbecue recipe that they're doing uh i can't wait to try these pickles zach i I, when i was just in st louis I didn't have much time to get out and shop. The one store I did get into, they, like I said, they did not have uh, the pickles that I saw, uh, or maybe I just missed them, but then they only had a couple uh, varieties of the salsa, but I, I hopefully will have a little more time next time to hit a store. And I'm definitely, definitely going to pick up at least a jar of these. Cause they sound amazing. So yeah, I'm always, and I guess it's sad that my boredom turns into like schadenfreude for myself. 
just enjoying the pain of my my past Billiken fandom. Uh, but I always think about these players that have big games against the Billikens. Obviously, mm. uh, one of them would be Ahern. Obviously, that's that that's the classic. Uh, but sure. I think we're looking more in the A10. Uh, there are always those guys that always seem to have big games against Lou, whether it's on the road or at Chaffetz. They're Billiken killers. So I got to know, Pete, who are the guys that stand out to you as always just giving us the business? Yeah, so the the one that immediately jumped to mind, and I, I think this is probably the answer for a lot of people, and it has a lot to do with recency. It has a lot to do with familiarity and where our rivalries have gone. Um, Jalen Crutcher at Dayton, he hit big shot after big shot against us. He was on good Dayton teams um, that, you know, unfortunately beat us more often than not. Um, I looked at how many times he played us and what he scored against us. And it looks like we did play nine times. So I guess that's home and home every year for four years, plus a conference tournament game in there. And outside of his first three games where he scored 14, six and 11, he went 18, 17, 21, 17, 27, 19. And, and like I, like I said, there's a lot of big shots in there too. Game winners, backbreakers, um, I, I hate that, you know, that it's a, it's whatever. It's a good nickname for them. I hate them. Jalen Clutcher, you know, I get the whole thing because it really felt true against us. That's the f- first one that jumped out at me, Zach. And then the second one, sorry to take two right away. Um, Eric Williams at Duquesne. I thought about, man, it always feels like there's somebody from Duquesne killing mm-hmm. us. And Williams was the guy who went pound for or blow for blow i should say yeah with isabel uh, with isabel in 2019 and so he's the only guy to ever score 40 against slew in chaffetz arena and it was that game um outside of that game he just consistently put up double doubles against slew and it and it's funny because i felt like he or somebody else was scoring a ton against us consistently but it really did mix up quite a bit who it was i was trying to figure out who they else all from that era killed us they, they they did kind of have a, a similarity of 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 style and everything yes. like that. Marcus Weathers did score twenty six against Slew twice in one season. Didn't do a whole lot um, outside of that. But then you've got Hughes, Hughes, Dunn, Martin, the other Williams, Carey. They all kind of had their big game against Slew, but it wasn't one of them that always killed us. So I would have to say Eric Williams, with that forty piece and all those double doubles, is probably the the, the best candidate from Duquesne. Uh, but I, I want to throw it back to you for a couple more. I mean, are, are, who are some other guys to you, especially from the A-10 era, that kind of stand out as, as guys that that always hurt us? Yeah, I think Khalif Wyatt, obviously. I think name yeah. recognition. Uh, if you want to go back to, like, Charlotte, you know, right before they, you know, left again. Uh, Lee Meyer Goldwire. Uh, I don't remember if he was actually any good. He just had a cool name. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if he actually killed. It always seemed like we got just our ass handed to us at charlotte like we couldn't we could never win it like charlotte or uab i don't know oh oh boy yeah now you're taking me back to my era those were tough places to play some of those conference usa gyms that are just like yeah man those were those were some tough places to play for whatever Uh, reason uh two holloway obviously was was a big one uh kenny freeze really never had a great game but he just always had a punchable face just ask cincinnati yeah yeah Freeze well. Uh, Freeze was decent against Slew. He usually put up like ten and six kind of thing. But yeah, he never he never really killed us in that Freeze. era. 
to Holloway. And then Mark Lyons was kind of the honorable mention because if, if two scored 22, 24, 25, and he did against Slew, Lyons would have 16, 18, 19 kind of thing. They, they were always, it was those one, two against Slew. Um, as many times we played Xavier when we were both in the conference. And sometimes we really only did play them once in a season. They did have some other guys go off against us. Um, Crawford, when they had, the, he was a one and done, I believe. Jordan Crawford scored like 35 or 36 against Slew. They had a few other guys. Uh, Justin Dolman went off against Slew one time, but nobody was as consistent as two Holloway. You're right about that. Yeah. I, so I guess we're wondering uh, who are some guys that you hated uh, to watch play Slew because you knew they were going to just take it to us every time and there was no chance we were going to stop them. Mm. Yeah. Uh, uh, are you, are you, you're, no, when you were a manager, who was a guy? Oh, it, when so okay, so what, a few stand out um, distinctly and, from and, my. And was era. there like w- would the players know this? Oh yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. they always knew. Yeah, yeah. So, so what we used to play, and we still kind of do, although it's kind of been a little less consistent the past five years or so. Carbondale every year. You mm, know, we, yes, we, Faulkner, Falker. Well, even more than him, and I think before him, was a guy named Kent Williams, who mm. wanted to come to SLU. He's, it was the same story that we heard about with Ahern all those years. It was the opposite deal. of Cassidy. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so, so he was from not the same town as Cassidy, but out that way, um, like an hour in it. Was he Mount Vernon, maybe? He may have been, may have been from Mount Vernon. So he wanted to come to SLU, and for whatever reason, Spoon didn't offer him. And when I got there, Romar was like, Coach Spoonauer is a very nice man, but I will never forgive him for not offering Kent Williams because the first time I saw him play, I knew the dude could just ball. And when we played Kent Williams every year, he would just murder us. Like, he just couldn't miss. Great player. Um, really, <laughs> he he killed us. And, and Romar, would he, he warned us about him. And then Williams would go out and just do everything he said he was going to do against us. And that's that's what made it so painful. Another one from that era who stands out, although um, he was a year behind me, I think, so he wouldn't have been there when Romar was there. Um, but we struggled with him because of that pack line defense that Soderberg ran. And if you had a guy who was really big and could really shoot, it was a problem. Steve Novak from Marquette. Um, I was able to find a couple games from that era, not as many as I would have liked, like like box scores, and I just didn't have all the time to do all the research I wanted. Um he, he scored 10 at once, but in every other game, it felt like he just went off. I think I found one where he scored like 25 against us, but we really struggled to guard the perimeter against guys like him who are just, you know, big shooters with range. Uh, when you're playing the pack, you got to close out fast. And we were closing out guys who were giving up size to him. So it was just kind of a, a, a one-two punch that that let him feast against us. So those are those are two guys. I mean, I know there are more, like I'm thinking back to those teams with Louisville and Memphis and Cincinnati, and they all had such good players like Reese Gaines and Steve Logan and mm-hmm. um, uh, just so so many from that era who, who really we, we struggled with. But I don't know if any of them were super consistent in the way that they, they beat us like a couple of those guys. Uh, Pete, let's move over to the women's side of basketball. Uh, Pete, did you know that the women's basketball program had another assistant opening? I did not, Zach. I mean, when they hired uh, the second 
associate head coach, I, I expressed a little surprise that they're going with the, the two associate head coach look again, instead of one associate head coach and a couple assistants. Uh, but no, I did not know there was a spot, but it looks like they filled um, what's being called assistant coach and recruiting coordinator position. Yeah, Kelsey Johnson. She uh, was a grad assistant. Uh, she started out as a grad assistant at UT Martin, moved on to a grad assistantship at Ole Miss in, for the 21-22 season. Uh, assistant and recruiting coordinator at CMO from 22 to 23. She's from Massachusetts, went to Bridgewater State University and had a couple lower division coaching gigs before UT Martin. I'm, I, I do like this bio because she was she went from lower division schools that we would not have heard of um, to Ole Miss in the span of about three years, um, and and that to me that kind of stands out. That's that's kind of impressive. I mean, she's she's making she's clearly forging relationships and making inroads and has impressed people um, in it for being such you know a young kind of up and comer. Um, I, I want to say she graduated in like 2016 or something like that. Um, so, so she's, she's pretty young and, and has, has risen through the ranks pretty quickly to get a full assistant gig um, at a school like uh SLU. So, I mean, at first at SEMO, I suppose, but, but yeah. And, you know, I, I see the stuff that Tillett and her coaches say to one another on social media. And I know social media has a public performance aspect to it. Um, but it seems like she's really built a strong culture of people who know and like and respect each other and, and really buy into, to their values, you know, that she, that she really likes to, to repeat. Um, so yeah, I, I, it, it, from everything I'm seeing, it seems like a really good fit. I like the idea of a recruiting coordinator being kind of a, a younger person who's, who's risen quickly, who kind of is energetic and can get after it. So, uh, so yeah, I, I think this is, this looks like a nice hire to me. Uh, this, uh, they got a new offer out and, and this young, young woman, uh, young lady, super excited. Like she is all over social media, very active, very grateful. It just feels like she was very energized by this, uh, Billiken offer. It's her first offer, which isn't surprising, Zach, given that she's a 2027 player, which means she has not played a minute of high school basketball yet, nor has she even, you know, gone to a high school class yet why is she uh, on twitter jesus why is she mary on twitter? and joseph i mean i guess as a player who's trying that's to a good get point All offers right. i mean I'm it's, just it's a little bit me. different thing i mean she's already the, the the thing about her and her name please forgive me if i'm getting it wrong d-a-s-i-a i'm gonna say dasha i would have gone with deja deja you're probably right deja I, I I've only I've read I go, it and I watched it's gotta be videos, Deja. I got okay. I'll put my I'll put money on. All right, let's call her Deja. Um, and and I'll I'll make sure next time we talk about her is uh you know we've got it for sure. Um, she's gonna go to Principia for high school. Um, they've invested in in both their boys and girls programs there. Um, but she's been playing up two levels in AAU. She plays for Midwest Elite, which is an Adidas uh, three stripes brand circuit team, and uh, she's not just. She's not just playing up two levels, but last year she was the third leading scorer at the 15 under level, despite being like not an eighth grader yet. Um, and then this year she's like, she's dominating at, you know, the next level up. Um, she's already six feet tall. 
Uh, she, like I said, she's already dominating older competition in, in AAU, and there's no reason to think she's not going to do the same to local high school competition uh, for Principia. I mean, she's 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 got a big, like, kind of strong frame, but she can she can step out and shoot. She can pass. She really moves. She seems to have a like from everything I'm seeing a good understanding of the game. And uh, Earl Austin said she's a really impressive player. He had some nice words to say about her as well. Um, everything that I'm reading and seeing about her is like, she's the real deal. Uh, probably the top prospect um, in the high school girls 2027 class in St. Louis, which I know is like crazy to say, cause that's like so early. Um, but she seems like she's going to be a real prospect and, and she's, you're right. She seems very, very excited by this, her first offer. And I love, love, love what SLU's women's program is doing right now in recruiting. They are in the 2025 through 27 classes, very, very aggressively making inroads in St. Louis and, uh, and, and making priorities out of every D1 prospect um, right now in those classes. And, and I, I just, I love to seeing them make those long-term inroads because that's where you start getting those wins. Um, as much as I liked her predecessor, uh, it was a lot more spread out recruiting map in the Northern Midwest and elsewhere. And I've just never really felt like the women's program has had a prolonged period where they're, they're hitting St. Louis hard. None. And Lish um, and Lish. Yeah. And, and, and look flowers. Stepanovich. You know, like, yeah. Like we've had our wins, but I'm talking about like, did you like a lot of talent has come out of St. Louis on the girl side incarnate and you've never felt like, yeah. Do you ever feel like an incarnate player is even looking at slew? Um, no, I mean you have Marissa Warren, but oh, she did she go there? Yeah, well she, so. well she, well she one of she them transferred did. back. Yeah, right, right, right. So she had yeah she went somewhere else first and then transferred back. So it's almost it's kind of different, but regardless, um, I I love what they're doing. It's a it's a long term strategy, and uh, and it seems to really be being noticed. I should yeah. say, and I don't think buzz. I don't think you can undersell how much that NCAA tournament appearance has influenced Huge. the ability Huge. to make these inroads. Mm -hmm. I mean, we yeah. were the only Missouri State college, wait, right? The only college in Missouri to go to the NCAA tournament in women's yeah. basketball. So, I mean, right now we're the hot name. Uh, and until it's just got to, now she's got to capitalize on it, making these inroads. And it's it's a great strategy. It's well done. Yeah. Um, so we'll I see still... where it goes. I still think it's going to be transfer heavy in 2024. Yep. Um, but after that, I think is where we really see the younger classes, the 2025, 26, 27 start to pay off um, because next year you're, you've got a lot. I mean, think about the, the this roster. It is senior and, and, and grad student heavy, mm -hmm. right? I mean, there's a lot of fourth, fifth year players who are going to run out of eligibility. I got, I guess, mostly fifth year players. Um, who are going to run out of eligibility in 2024. And I, I think it's going to, it's going to have to be a lot of transfers. She's probably going to hit Juco hard again um, and probably look at the D one transfer list as well. And then after that, um, I, I think we're going to start seeing not just more high school names, but, but I think we're going to start seeing some dominoes fall locally. Um, and if, if not in 2025, then, then 26, I mean, she, she's doing a lot of work in the area for sure. Yeah, we talked about, you know, in, in the bracket where 
uh, the 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 voting goes to a guy like Lowe because it was you know formative years. You and I until it going after an eighth grader, uh, we're starting yep. to recruit an eighth grader early who just watched them. That's that's the most like eighth grade. Like I like I would have been if if my local team when I was in eighth grade would have you know gone to the NCAA tournament like that. Like I would have been all over it. Yeah. Yeah, oh. huge formative formative years. Yes, women's volleyball. Uh, some exciting uh, accolades uh, coming through for them. Uh, we've got at least one of them uh, on the roster out of Kentucky, who is going to be uh, is going to be top three in Kentucky for volleyball, and then one who is looking like they will be an All American at uh, nationals. Um, which is going on right now in Florida, which is where uh, Andrea Beatty is recruiting uh, currently. Field hockey, Pete, and I know you're going to give me in-depth uh, reports on all of these from all the video you've watched. <laughs> Maybe not in-depth, but I'll at least uh, I'll at least hit the the bullet points of the the press release. But they did announce the addition of four to the roster for next season, which will be this fall. Um, Ava Blyer, who's a forward midfielder from Pittsford Sutherland High School and Rochester, New York Field Hockey Club um, up in the Rochester area. Uh, then they, they're bringing in Sierra Larson, uh, who's a forward from St. Thomas Aquinas and Sea to Sky Field Hockey Club in North Vancouver, BC. That's the, the most Vancouver-ass name for a club ever. Sea to Sky, absolutely. Yeah, uh, but that's um, that's the head coach's stomping ground. So So we're seeing her. Uh, you know, bring some more players in from out there. Carrie O'Donnell is a goalie from Hillsborough High School and Center Court Club team in Hillsborough, New Jersey. And then Mary Vetter, a local a forward midfielder from Ledoux High School and Gateway Field Hockey Club, uh, rounding out the incoming class of four uh, that we'll see this fall. Uh, that wraps up the week in Villican Athletics. Follow us on Twitter at Midtown Mad Pod. At Peter is a tweeter. At Zach Miller MMP and on Instagram at Midtown Mad Pod. Of course, we appreciate all suggestions you might have for the show. Uh, send them our way. Our DMs are always open. Subscribe, rate, leave a review, five stars, all that good stuff. As always, Pete. Thank you.